finale of Geek Steep. I'm Marika. My name is Kelly. Kelly, it's it's our 20th episode. I can't believe it. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it's been that long. Uh, it's gone so quickly. I feel like we've explored so many different fandoms. Some that we've liked more than others. Yes, for sure. I mean, that was the point. I mean, the whole point was to watch as much as possible. And you're not going to like everything but the fun is in the discovery the fun is in the analysis and the conversation and the failed pairing attempts and the successful pairing attempts are always so amazing to to when you finally pull off a great pairing it's it's an it's an indescribable feeling of joy it really is um i feel like it's gone by really fast and really slow at the same time i think when it's been a fandom that i've loved i feel like oh that went by too fast i wish we could stay in that moment stay in that world um and when it's been a fandom that's just kind of confused me i'm like i i just want this to be over i kind of just want this to be over um but i've really really enjoyed it but I can't believe I feel like this is a real milestone milestone because 20 episodes we've done and we have some extra episodes on top of like our canon of 20 but this feels like we we did it we did it Kelly no we dreamt a thing we made it a thing and a lot of people uh listened more than I thought we're gonna way listen. more than I thought <laughs> shocked that people actually listen to us and I'm so grateful to anyone look anyone who's listening to us thank you so much for joining us on this journey um I really want us to get more involved with the people who are listening for our second season you know for the first season we really took the time to you know figure it out figure out the technology figure out how we wanted to have these conversations and now I think in the second season I'm really looking forward to making the conversation larger with other geeks and other steeps and other peeps I want it all I want it all Kelly (laughs) I agree so what is in your cup today today I am drinking a tea from Plum Deluxe it's mm-hmm. called Raspberry Revitalizer Lemon Mate. Mm. A little bit of a mouthful of a name. <laughs> I picked it for no reason other than I saw it and I thought it sounded nice for the day. That's perfect. Is it like really heavy on the lemon or? It's more raspberry than anything, but you get like that nice brightness and like pucker of like a really fresh and zesty lemon. Oh, nice. Oh, that's a, that's a nice way to... I think especially in the dead of winter as we currently are, sometimes you need that kind of sunny, fruity pick-me-up every once in a while just to remind you that, you know, winter, winter's almost over. It's not a perpetual state in Canada, which there is, there is light at the end of the tunnel. (laughs) Quite literally light. I'm very much looking forward to more than like five hours of daylight. Yes, yes, that, that could end anytime soon. I'm okay with that going away. Um, I, um, I picked a very emotionally heavy tea for today's cup. All right. (laughs) So I'm drinking Twining's Earl Grey today. Loose leaf Twining's Earl Grey. Um, so the reason I picked this tea is because I kind of wanted to commemorate like that it's our last episode and 
that we're going over, we're going to do a new geek, yes, but we're kind of also reminiscing about how far we've come. And my first tea ever, ever that I drank when I was maybe five or six was Twining's Earl Grey. And my grandmother, that's the only tea she ever drank. And so she introduced me to the world of tea. Um, which is ironic because she didn't drink anything other than Twining's Earl Grey, but she's the one who introduced me to this whole world just with this one tea. But she did teach me to properly heat my teapot before making it, properly heat my cups. She did have, unbeknownst to her, I think she had her own tea ritual. She just learned this as a child. She couldn't tell me why you had to heat the pot. I asked her, she couldn't tell me why you had to heat the cups. She just said it tastes better, just tastes better. Just do it that way. And, you know, getting the right cup and getting her the right teapot was really important to her as well, even though it was with, with just this one tea. So she became a tea expert of this one singular tea and never, I mean, she's still alive. Gang is still with us. She never deviated. She's never, she tried. Once I started really getting more into tea and working more in tea, I would send her teas and she would drink it because she loves me and she cares enough to try but she really just always stuck to Earl Grey. And to this day, to this day, no one makes a better cup than her. I've never, I've never, I mean, I've, and I work in the tea world, Kelly. I understand how to make a good cup of tea. I will never, ever make as perfect a cup of Earl Grey as my grandmother does. And it's a dragon I have been chasing my entire life. <laughs> and I'm not going to get there. And what's crazy about Twining's Earl Grey, look, Twining's company, you don't care about my opinion, all right? You make enough money. One person's opinion on one podcast isn't going to change anything. Um, I remember Twining's Earl Grey from when I was a child, from what it is now. And the quality is radically different because I used to stare at those leaves, Kelly, and they were full and they were enchanting. And the smell of that bergamot, I mean, it's, it's in my childhood brain. And now the leaves are very, very small, very chopped up, very CTC. The bergamot, I mean, the price of bergamot has increased since the 80s. And so it's not as refined as it used to be. But it's a testament to how powerful your first cup or your emotion linked to that cup can be. Because every once in a while, I just need to drink a cup of Twining's Earl Grey. I know it's not the best Earl Grey out there, but it's absolutely the best cup of tea for me because it just brings me back to that place and brings me back to that nostalgia. So, I mean, yeah, I've had way better Earl Greys. I've had way better teas. I've had experiences with tea that I think a lot of people couldn't even believe, like weird and exotic and unique. Twining's Earl Grey is absolutely the cup that makes me feel like so this is the episode where I decided to bring it in to kind of close off our season. <laughs> I don't know what you. <laughs> I love that so much. That's so poetic, unexpectedly <laughs> poetic of you. No offense. But... None, none taken. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I totally understand why it would be unexpected because yeah, I don't wax philosophical a great deal, but there's some things that just hit a part of your brain. Um, that is undeniable. And I think that, you know, I, I worked for a lot, long time in straight teas, but I never begrudged flavored teas because the argument I always made with people when they'd say, oh, I don't drink any flavored tea. I would always ask if they were North Americans, I'd be like, what was your first cup of tea? Your very, very, very first cup of tea. 
And they'd always say lemon ginger, Earl Grey, Moroccan mint. And I'm like, okay, so you got introduced to the world of tea through a flavored tea. Most North Americans, I'd say 95% of North Americans have. And so this kind of war, and you and I have talked off podcast about it before, between the straight tea community and the flavored tea community is so absurd to me because we're all in the same boat. We all love this beverage to a point that is quite honestly unhealthy when you, when you think about it. Um, and uh, flavored tea absolutely, absolutely has its place. And it's it's what brought a lot of us into it. And so I will never talk it down unless it's just a badly made cup of tea, but I'll, I'll talk down a badly made straight cup of tea just as easily. So I've talked a lot about this, but I wanted to just kind of give a context. It was also super nostalgic because um, I was born in 82 and I started drinking tea around more heavily around age nine and 10. And that is exactly the year that today's geek came out like so my heavy drinking of tea coincided with the launch of this geek which is power rangers the mighty morphin power rangers to be more specific kelly why did we choose this <laughs> it's huge i mean this is our last episode. It felt wrong to end it on anything other than a big fandom. And there are a lot of really big fandoms. We've covered a bunch of really big fandoms. But this one is drenched in nostalgia for so many people. It has roots in the 90s. It's still going strong today. It touched millions of people worldwide, across countries. It's just big. It's so big. It's so big. I mean, I um, we'll talk about like our personal interactions with the geek, but I will say, as a, you know, this is a new geek for both of us. It's no surprise that you know it's new. We never really explored it in the past. But even if you haven't explored it, I'm fairly certain everyone could name the colors of the Rangers pretty successfully. Um, I think everyone has an image that pops to mind. It's not even like Dune, uh, which is an episode we did not that long ago, where I think it's entirely possible to go your entire life without hearing about Dune. It's entirely possible to go your entire life without hearing about Palm Poco. You know, there are some fandoms that just, if you never came into contact with them, that makes sense. Not even having a memory or a sense of what Power Rangers is, is almost impossible. And what's crazy is that it's almost impossible in North America, in Europe, certainly in Asia. This was a worldwide phenomenon and still is. And so it's a pretty big geek to tackle. Do you want to give us like the background of it? Because the, the business background of this fandom is one of my favorite stories in the world. So I can't wait to tell, I can't wait for you to share it with everyone. Yeah, I mean, this was a research rabbit hole. Uh, I didn't know the background for Power Rangers. So we're going to go through it. But this might be the longest what the geek I've written because once I started learning, it was hard to not keep diving into this hole. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting story. Tell everybody, share it with the world, Kelly. The Power Rangers franchise is an American live action superhero television series based on the Japanese series 
Super Sentai. Originally produced by Saban Entertainment, the franchise is currently produced by SCG Power Rangers and Hasbro. So in addition to SCG Power Rangers, Hasbro, and Saban Entertainment, there have been two other production companies that have produced the franchise in between its original uh, production company and its current production company. So it's changed hands a lot, but it's Mm -hmm. still going very strong. The series reuses much of the same footage from the Super Sentai TV series, which was produced by the Toei Company. In these circumstances, the Japanese footage has been dubbed over by the English cast members, as well as a variety of other voice actors. I do want to stop you right here because I think the visual is really important for people who've never seen an episode. Basically, the American version has a bunch of American actors, teenagers, who talk during class and, you know, they talk about their lives, blah, 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 blah. And then when they become the Power Rangers, the images and scenes are taken directly from a Japanese television show. And so everything from the point where they're fighting or that they're in costume with their mouths covered is dubbed. So they really have this stylistically two very different um, images in the same show. You go from these teenagers to this Japanese live action fight scene and vice versa they go back and forth back and forth back and forth so okay I don't I didn't mean to interrupt but I just feel like it's important that people understand that it's genuinely dubbed it is absolutely 100% dubbed yeah it Rita Repulsa's dubbing is it (laughs) sticks out a lot but if I didn't know the other scenes were dubbed with like the the rangers I probably never would have Right. Yeah. It's uh, well, because you can see her face. It's a little bit strange, but we're getting into details. I just wanted to let people know, like stylistically, how it's built is very different from anything we've explored so far. So Mighty Morphin Power Rangers is the first of many series under the Power Rangers franchise. It debuted in August of 1993 as part of the Fox Kids programming block of the 90s. The series first ran until 1996. Despite initial criticism that the violent action negatively influenced the children that made up its target audience, it met massive commercial and pop culture success alongside a very highly successful action figure and merchandise line produced by Bandai Entertainment. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers takes place in the fictional Californian town of Angel Grove. After an evil alien sorceress named Rita Repulsa uh, is released from a 10,000 year confinement, she and her evil alien cronies set their sights on conquering Earth. In the first series, she is the primary antagonist. When Zordon, a wise alien sage responsible for her capture, becomes aware of her escape, he has his assistant Alpha 5 select five worthy teenagers to take up the Power Rangers mantle and defend the Earth from Rita's attacks using a variety of superhuman powers and weapons, including their Zords, a colossal machine that can combine together to create a giant humanoid mecha called the Megazord. The five selected teens are Jason Lee Scott, Kimberly Hart, Zach Taylor, Trini Kwan, and Billy Cranston. Respectively, they are the red, pink, black, yellow, and blue Power Rangers. 
They are later joined by Tommy Oliver, the Green Ranger, a teenager who was originally brainwashed by Rita Repulsa to help defeat the Power Rangers. Due to the action-oriented plot of the show, many of the initially cast Power Rangers had extensive backgrounds in martial arts, dance, or other physically intense activities, such as David Yost, who portrays Billy and was a former competitive gymnast. The franchise has not been without controversy, in addition to parental concerns that the show was too violent for children, the franchise has also been heavily accused of per perpetuating racial stereotypes. Austin St. Jones is of partial Native American descent, Tui Trang is Vietnamese, and Walter Emanuel Jones is African American, and all were cast as the Red, Yellow, and Black Power Rangers, respectively. Producers later clarified that while this racial coding was not intentional, they realized what they had done very early into the series around episode eight. Many of the original cast members left the series during its initial run. As a non-unionized production, it was reported that the cast were subject to low pay in a hostile and unsafe work environment, among other issues. The first to leave were Austin St. Jones, Tui Trang, and Walter Emanuel Jones. They left in the middle of the second season and cited low pay as the cause. Amy Jo Johnson left the franchise in the third season for the same reasons, but also cited workplace safety as she had been set on fire during the filming of one of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movies. David Yost, who played the Blue Ranger, was the last to leave and cited the homophobic attitudes of the production staff as the primary reason prompting him to unsuccessfully undergo conversion therapy to change his sexuality. The series producers to this day continue to deny the allegations of homophobia on the set during production. Infamously, despite the series' massive financial success, none of the original cast have ever received any royalties for reruns of the episodes in which they starred. As of 2019, Power Rangers consists of 20 different series with 27 cumulative seasons between them. There have been three theatrical movies, over 20 video games, and comics under a variety of publishers, including notably Marvel and Boom Studios, from 1994 to present day. Two different Power Rangers dedicated cons exist. Power Morphicon, a biennial California-based convention, has been running since 2007, and Ranger Stop started in 2012 in the Southern United States. Thank you for all the research you did because it's so much to unpack. It's so much to unpack. And I don't know if I was surprised by how much there was to unpack because I had never really in, like interfaced with this fandom. Um, and it feels like so much went on that I had no idea about, or if it's just genuinely a lot, or we have a lot more information. I don't know how you felt doing the research. Like, did you feel like you'd uncovered like the lost city of gold? Like, my God, all of this went into the, the creation of this or? It was just layer after layer. And I feel like there were so many more layers I could have peeled back. But mm -hmm. I tried to really focus on the franchise as a whole and its legacy and just the shit that went down with that original series. Wow. That is not a happy cast. That is not. I, I think that when I read about um, David Yost going through conversion therapy, I screamed no at your outline. You sent me the outline and I read it and I was like, no, 
no, <laughs> like trying to stop something that happened 30 years ago. That broke my heart. That absolutely broke my heart that someone would feel that pressured by their job to do something that doesn't work, that is fundamentally wrong in every sense of the, sorry if anyone's offended by this opinion, but if you're offended by this opinion, you probably should be listening to this podcast. Um, it's, it's not okay to force someone to feel, to feel that way. Um, and it's a series that brought so many people so much joy that to know that the main actors were going through that, that's really, really tough. And in the five episodes, cause we watched the first five episodes in the first five episodes, <laughs> I have a crush on David Yost. I texted you. Best. I texted you. He's the greatest. (laughs) He just is. I had no idea, but I texted you. I was like, oh, I think I'm crushing on Billy. He plays the character Billy. I was like, I think I'm crushing on Billy. I really like Billy. What is it with me and nerds, Kelly? (laughs) But like, he's good. His character is good. He's handsome. I felt like a 15 year old girl crushing on like her you remember those magazines like teen beat and bop and all that kind of stuff I was like oh I would have been a blue ranger girl for sure um so reading that really really broke my heart but I've seen him in interviews since and he seems quite good he's doing very well and so I'm 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 happy that you know he got past that moment but okay getting back to the the meat and potatoes that is the power rangers um, I also did just a little bit of research by watching uh, that series on Netflix called The Toys That Made Us. And it's a series that I really, really like because it is fundamentally very nostalgic and talks about a lot of the toys that I personally grew up with. And they had an episode about the Power Rangers and they talked a lot about the creation of the show and how long it took to actually bring to America. Because this type of show where these Sentai shows where the characters transform and morph into superheroes and fight Godzilla-like monsters had been popular in Japan since the 1970s and the 1960s, late 60s, but in the 70s, they really hit their height. So if anyone's interested, I recommended this series when we did She-Ra, The Toys That Made Us on Netflix also has an episode on He-Man and She-Ra, but if you're interested in seeing the history of the Power Rangers in a from a business standpoint, it's a really, really interesting watch. Um, And because the show was co-produced by a toy company, from the very first episode, all of the robots that are used by the Power Rangers to fight evil are clearly toys. Very high-tech, detailed, beautifully created toys from Japan. The standards and the molds that were used in Japan were a lot more detailed than the toys you found in America in the 90s. Um, But this was basically a glorified television commercial for toys. But these robots were kind of like the Transformers. That you the, the interactive play with these robots was very intricate, that they could change and then they could shape and that one Zord, as they're called, so one Power Rangers vehicle could hook into another and you could create Megazord. And I remember my little brother had a Megazord. He was a, I was going to say in French, uh, fan fini, and they call it a, a finished fan, like just completely devoted entirely to the world of Power Rangers. And 
even though I didn't appreciate the Power Rangers and I didn't really like them growing up, um, I, I remember his Megazord and I remember thinking, this is a cool toy because I'd never seen, I had Transformers. I grew up with Transformers, but I'd never seen anything as intricate as his Megazord. That was the only thing I liked about Power Rangers. I, uh, I, I had seen a few episodes. So this geek isn't entirely new, new, new to me because I'd seen a few episodes. But honestly, if Power Rangers was on at my house, that meant that Star Trek wasn't because we had one TV. So I hated the Power Rangers because it basically meant I wasn't watching Star Trek. So that's not a fair assessment of the geek at all. I don't know how you first like came into it, but. I think it's a real testament to just how impactful the toys were because uh the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers started in 1993. I wasn't born yet. It's been a few episodes since the age thing has like really come up. But this is one where we watched it that I felt like acutely aware that I was definitely like too old for this. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I remember. Or not too old, sorry, too young, too young. You were too young. Yeah, I, I remember the the first day that the first episode aired. Like that's because I was like 11 or 12 at the time. So I remember them bursting onto the scene. One day we'd never heard of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And the next day, I can't express to you how literally this happened, Kelly. They came out of nowhere and then they were everywhere. It was instantaneous. And that's not something you see happen a lot in Canada. It happened as quickly in Canada as it did in the United States. But yes, um, to your point, I'm old. Thank you for reminding me of that. Yes, go for it. <laughs> the, the testament to the toys for this series, because I had never watched a single episode of the original series, uh, but I had three Power Rangers action figures growing up. Really? I had the pink, the yellow, and the red ranger. And there's absolutely no way that my parents would have bought these for me new like we didn't watch the show uh so I think we probably must have got them for my older cousin who would have been just old enough probably to maybe be watching the show or maybe a garage sale I have mm -hmm. no clue how I got them but I loved them they were bright and colorful uh and they had like all of the like arms and fingers and everything that like bent. Uh, they were like my version of a Barbie because I was not like that kind of girl. I didn't have Barbies growing up. That's one of the things about the Power Rangers toys that was so interesting was that they were really fully articulated, that you, that you could really move their arms and their legs at their joints. Contrary to Barbie, who's a very rigid toy and is not very creative to play with. But one of the terms that I really like from that series, The Toys That Made Us, is if a toy is successful, usually it's because it has a toyetic quality. And so that means a quality that um, is very playable and like ignites the imag imagination of the child. You know, that there's something about it that makes you want to keep playing with it and the toys were integral to this fandom succeeding because I think you could take like to your point you'd never seen the show you'd ne never had any interaction with the fandom and yet there was something toyetic about those toys that attracted you to them and that's a very very powerful emotion that cannot be denied yeah I mean of course 
I had the toys as a kid, uh, but as I said, there are many, many Power Rangers series. So it was always on TV as I was growing up. Um, but I didn't have like any of the TV channels it aired on. Like we didn't have cable for much of my childhood. So it's something that like all of my male friends would like rave about and like growing up were like super into that intrigued me, but then I would go over to like my female friends' houses who like did have cable and, you know, we would watch stuff, but that's never what they wanted to watch. We always watched like Disney and uh, That's So Raven and like those shows. So I feel like I was just distanced enough from it growing up that I wanted to latch on to this fandom. I just didn't have the means. And then when I was like maybe 13 or 14 my dad finally got like some proper cable tv channels uh but of course my parents are divorced and I was at every other weekend at his house so for months I watched every other episode of one of the Power Rangers series and I actually looked it up I was able to figure out which one it was because I remembered one of the characters names okay and one I watched was Operation Overdrive, okay. but even that was really hard to get into because I was only seeing like half the series and not in order. So eventually right. I just gave up. I was a little too old. It was not balanced enough with the missing information. And I don't know. I feel like if circumstances had been different, I would have been a Power Rangers kid growing up. Yeah, I don't think, you know, a lot of the fandoms that we watch, I think that I try to appreciate that had it entered my life at a different time, that maybe I would have liked it more. Like um, Attack on Titan, for example. I think if I had watched Attack on Titan while I was living in China and just, you know, in a in a, a different country, in a different mindset, you know, you know, when you travel to a different country, you live in a different country, you're a lot more open to, you're a lot more open to exploring things that you, you wouldn't usually. So maybe I would have been an Attack on Titan fan had I seen it in that context. And when we were watching Power Rangers, I kept thinking, what if this show had come out when I was nine years old? Maybe I would have gotten into it, but it, what, it, Kelly? it's cheesy. It is cheesy. I mean, and it is, Ooh, it's a three course meal of cheese. Let me tell you. <laughs> We're not wrong. Um, when we watched, we watched, we sh I should say we watched the first five episodes of the original series. So mm -hmm. we did like a crash course. If we, you were watching it live, this is your, like what your actual intro to the series would be. And, and that is something that I remember at the age of 11 and 12 thinking this is really cheesy this is for a child that's younger than me um and my brother's three years younger than me so it just hit him like exactly when it was supposed to um but yeah it's full on 90s so as soon as I started this rewatch and they're in that gym juice bar I couldn't figure out what it was supposed to be. It's so, like a rec center with a cafe and a gym. So it's their hangout spot. It's like the peach pit from 90210 or Central Perk from Friends. It's just the place that the characters all go to hang out 
but it's like a gym slash juice bar slash community center slash excuse to watch them like do exercise. That's kind of what it is. Um, but oh my God, the neon colors, the plaid, the leggings, the bows in the hair. Um, at one point, one of the characters is like, oh, I so would have told him that not and Kelly I almost started crying I was like I remember this I remember this I texted you Kimberly's wearing those pink leggings I had those pink leggings I had those exact leggings and let me tell you Kelly let me tell you something when I when 10 year old Marika put those leggings on she knew she was a woman like <laughs> not what I was expecting you to say but okay those leggings gave me a confidence that was not justified at all but like I I remember that look I remembered the feel so it was incredibly nostalgic to me because even though I was a little bit younger than the Power Rangers I was uh very much a tween and so the fashions and the the style of talking uh, was very much who I was at the time. And so it it was fun for that. So much fun that not only did I have my tea that I paired with this, obviously, but I also got a bag of Maynard's fuzzy peach candies and, and paired that with my watch because I was like, let me try to get into this mood that I would have been in. And yeah, a bag of fuzzy peach candies at age 11 would have absolutely been what I had in front of the TV. So that was really, really, really fun. But I had a hard time taking this show seriously. I really did. I really tried to look at it critically. I tried to look at it to try to see its value. Um, and I love a kung fu movie. I love a bad kung fu movie. I like bad movies in general, but there was just something about this show where, and look, millions of people love this show. Family members of mine love this show. This show has made billions upon billions in profits and adoration and love, but I had a really hard time understanding why. It was the first time I'm stumped. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not even criticizing like it's bad. It's not worth it. It's not cool. But I, I sat there watching those first five episodes trying to figure out what's the appeal. So like that was my first impression after we watched after I finished watching that first episode. I was like, why would I why would I even watch the second? Not because I didn't like it, but because I couldn't find like that hook. So I don't know where you, it was a, it was the first time I've been confronted with that since we started this podcast. So I don't know where you sit with your first Steve. It was the most aged feeling thing we've watched for me. And it's not the oldest thing we've watched. Uh, I think maybe technically Dune is, is Dune the oldest thing we've explored? Maybe. I, I think so, because I think we we watched like Doctor Who, but like the modern episodes. So like the franchise would have started much earlier than that, but we explored something that's later. So in terms of actually watching something from an era that it was made in, I think Dune 1983 would be the eldest. So this would be like the second eldest. Yeah. And it felt older than Dune to me. Yeah, like it, I have something mm -hmm. about it just didn't age well the uh the graphic effects rough 
every every and look i'm not trying to shit on anybody's job here i'm sure everyone worked very very hard but every explosion had the intensity of a birthday sparkler you know what i mean like the sparklers you put on a birthday cake like every explosion in the show was like but the sound effect is like boom (laughs) so yeah it does it it didn't age well it's aged horribly yeah i loved the fashion in it i I mean, I was born mid-90s. I didn't grow up with 90s fashion as one much as I want to call myself a 90s kid. Like, I'm not. Even though I, yeah. a part of me wants to, like, hold on to that. But it's just, it's not true. But I love the fashion. I watched with, like, the biggest hard eyes, Billy's oversized overall, the plaid Marika. My fashion today, if you can even call it that, because I don't have a fashion sense. You have you have a very definitive fashion style. There but is it, a Kelly look. It fits with that like bulky, oversized, the plaid, the you know, overalls three sizes too big with a like t-shirt underneath. God, like I would have rocked that so hard, Marika. It was such a great time. It was an absolute time where your style was intentional casual if that may in, intentional intentional cynicism there was an intentional cynicism about your style in the 90s and it was like i'm just going to wear these baggy jeans with this plaid shirt and i'm going to put a neon bow in my hair cuz i don't care about you government man <laughs> it was great I kelly it was awesome it. i love it <laughs> Uh, the language, though, while you may have had like a moment where you were like, wow, that's the thing I would have said. I feel like I had the reverse. Someone said the word dudette. And I don't yeah. think I've heard that said vocally in like 10 years. And oh, my God, has it not aged well? Yeah, um, I uh, I definitely used the word dudette at some point in the 90s. I, I can confirm and affirm that, but yes, I, I too let it die and, and stay in that time because yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of stuff that we just don't say anymore. And thank God, you know, that the definitions and words change and you don't use those things anymore. But yeah, it was, it was really reaching kids and being super cool. There was a very intentional, like they're going to be cool with their language in this show. And so it hasn't, aged well because no one talks like that anymore and the people that did talk like that were like 13 you know they weren't they weren't exactly Shakespeare so it's crazy though because like our first episode this season was Buffy which is also a product of the 90s and I listened to Buffy and the language doesn't make me squirm but the language in Power Rangers was like nails on the chalkboard at points it's it's really interesting the difference between 93 and 96 there was, you know, 93 and 97, it, it, there was a really, really big shift um, culturally. And there was a huge shift culturally in um, what a teenager was on television. You know, during the 70s, you, you know, during the 60s and 70s, you didn't really have a teenager focused show. I mean, maybe uh, Happy Days is the only thing I can really think of. And in the 80s, it was very much dominated by that kind of pretty and pink breakfast club tortured teen was what we saw a lot culturally. But, you know, the mid 90s, teenagers got sexy. 
teenagers, Buffy is sexy, you know, like that whole maturity of the teenager really came into play. And so Power Rangers is like right before that um, precursor to what you're seeing on the Disney channel now a lot more. Um, but yeah, I don't uh, No, it has not aged well. It has not aged well. I was able to appreciate it, though, for its cheesiness. I, I definitely don't think I watched it with the lens of like someone who would have watched it when it was airing and would, would have been like, that's so cool. Instead, I took notes that made fun of the potholes and the cheesiness. And that was enjoyable for me. That was very enjoyable to me as well. I felt there should have been more of those moments because it, it was it wasn't bad good. Sometimes it was just bad, bad. It was just badly done or badly executed. Um, I mean, when Zach, the Black Power Ranger, does a kind of break dance right before he starts fighting for absolutely no reason, no one asked, I did squee. I was like, that is awesome. It's so useless and superfluous plot, but it's such a delightful moment. But like, that's kind of the problem I had with this show. There is almost no plot. And that is something that you see in a lot of kids shows, not all kids shows, but I'd say the kids shows with the least amount of calories in them. You know, the kids shows that are just there for entertainment's sake. Um, you know, with two kids in the house, I end up watching a lot of children's programming these days. And I've kind of put them into two or three categories, but there's some shows that show cooperation between characters, learning, growth, development, storylines. The first show that comes to mind is the new My Little Pony, which is, I highly recommend. It's such a great show. Um, lots of character development, lots of serious conversations about the importance of friendship. Um, and then there's other shows like Paw Patrol, which I've, I think I've already shat on in this podcast, <laughs> um, that are kind of devoid of calories and kind of empty and the plots kind of make no sense. It's just one thing happens after another. And I think those shows have their place. I think everyone, including children, has the right to have a kind of light entertaining moment. And that's how I felt about Power Rangers. I was like, there kind of is no character development, so to speak. There isn't any kind of overarching theme they're trying to explore like in the second episode or third episode we saw they're like we're gonna stop pollution and then they meet a monster and they fight this monster and it's the end of the episode and I was like oh are we not trying to combat pollution anymore <laughs> like this is not important it's kind of just thrown in there as an attempt to be conscious but and is the initial plot driver, but has no resolution and no point in the long term. And so I couldn't get into it for that reason, because I was like, oh, you're just throwing things out there, hoping we'll catch it. But is there any conclusive thought to the subjects that you're bringing up? I don't know. I kind of feel like I think it's somewhere in the middle of what you described for um, My Little Pony and Paw Patrol, as your example. It falls in the middle. So like, Going in, there were things in my head that similar to V for Vendetta, I knew to be true. And most of the things that I knew to be true actually ended up not being true, mm -hmm. uh, which was hilarious in my head. Like they are all take powers from dinosaurs, uh, but two of them take their powers from a mastodon and a saber tooth. And just those are not fucking dinosaurs. They're just not. I'm, they're prehistoric-ish, but they are not fucking dinosaurs. <laughs> Absolutely not. 
I had the exact same note. It's like, you take all your powers from dinosaurs. And I was like, cool. And they're like, Triceratops, Tyrannosaurus. And then he says, Mastodon. And I was like, Mastodon? This is literally millions of years apart from like the dinosaur. Look, if Jurassic Park taught me anything, <laughs> is that there are no Mastodons. <laughs> um, yeah, one of the other things in my head, I was like, I know this to be true, is that there's a green Power Ranger. Mm. But in the episodes we watched, there's no green Power Ranger. Thankfully, I did have the rabbit hole of, of looking things up for our What the Geek. And one of the things that I learned is that there actually is a main and a central plot to the first series of Power Rangers. Unfortunately, we just didn't watch farther enough or far enough to kind of get to it. But I mean, I guess the quick summary was that Rita Repulsa brainwashes another teenager to become the green Power Ranger to take down the Power Rangers. And then that Power Ranger ends up joining the side of good and fighting against Rita Repulsa. But like we we just didn't hit that far in the series. We didn't we didn't get there. But it's a, one of the most iconic Power Rangers plots for all of Power Rangers. Tommy Oliver, the Green Power Rangers, one of the most beloved Power Rangers of all the Power Rangers. Like there, there's plot. It's just is it great plot? Debatable. I kind of wish that we had a Power Ranger super fan here with us to kind of walk us through it because just by watching the first five episodes you know we didn't get into um their mythology too too much we didn't get into their origin too too much maybe they did 20 years on I mean there's 20 25 years worth of Power Ranger storylines to go through I mean maybe at some point it came up so we really watched this fandom at its inception point and we did that because we didn't know where to start with all fandoms that are new to us. We kind of just start with the beginning, but yeah, I, I, I can only imagine that if a franchise is going to survive past a year or two, there has to be more meat on that bone. There has to be more to unpack in order to sustain that kind of fandom because the fans of this show now are not five and six and seven-year-olds. And they're not only people who grew up with it. Some people encountered it in their teen years and in their 20s. You know, this is not a fandom that is simply or purely nostalgia, you know? Um, kind of like He-Man is a, a fandom that is very, very nostalgia based because there hasn't been a new, you know, Masters of the Universe show since like 2003. Um, there has been continue, there have been continuous Power Rangers shows and comics and everything since the mid 90s. So I, I don't know that we're giving this geek uh, the full seriousness that it deserves because as we said it's just touched so many people's lives but I have a really hard time understanding it's the first time we've done a geek that I don't get like I, I don't get it I'm not saying it's bad I'm not saying it's unworthy I'm not saying that I'm not saying anything negative about it. I'm also not saying anything positive about it. I'm just I don't get it and it you know it it happens sometimes it happens all the time with all kinds of things. I had a tea the other day at the office that I didn't get. <laughs> I'm not going to yeah, say no, which it one. Happens. It happens. It's, and everyone's like, this is great. I love this. And I was like, okay, I don't get it. But if, you know, if everybody like, it's not bad, it's not great. 
but it is what it is. And so this is the first geek that I really, really have that issue with where there was kind of nowhere to go for me. I wonder if one of the reasons it doesn't bother me as much on like a a level of not getting it is because the structure reminds me of Digimon, which Mm. I was very, very into, but it's like small little bit of plot and storyline, big battle, big like transformation sequence, small little bit of plot and storyline, big battle, big transformation sequence. Mm. It's like, oh, I hate that my brain just went here, but it's the boy version of a magical girl sequence. Yes, you're totally right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, the the magical transformation of like Sailor Moon or or something. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. That's what it is. Yeah, there's definitely stuff there. There's definitely stuff there. I just uh I just don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I think and, if I was 10, 8, 10 in that range, I would have loved this. I would have mm. been very into this. I think we're too old for it. I think we're so so here's my question. Restock, resteep, are you going back in? Are you uh I don't think that this series is for me. It's just it's aged too badly. I feel like I could watch a newer one and it wouldn't feel as aged, but the pacing is intended for a child. Uh the plot maybe gets better, but you know, really how dark can the plot get because it is written for a child, right? Like it's mm-hmm. only surface-ish level deep, right? Uh, however, over the summer, I had the opportunity to read a Power Rangers comic book as part of Free Comic Book Summer, uh, which is an event done by, like a collaborative event done by comic book publishing houses like across North America uh, where usually it's a day because of the pandemic they made a whole summer event out of it to support the comic book industry which is so cool but every Wednesday for like three months you could go to your local comic book store and get just free comic books and I think it was Boom which is the current publishing house that uh, Power Rangers is under released a Power Rangers comic as part of Free Comic Book Summer. Never would have, never ever would have picked one up, would have like looked it over immediately. But I read it because it was free and it was very good. It was dark. The plot was really fleshed out. Uh, It was beautifully illustrated and I wanted to keep reading it. So maybe that would be my way of getting into it because I think that speaks more to the adult uh, or older audience that Power Rangers has. Maybe has the childhood recollection, but, you know, the storylines are heavier. It's more intricate. The pacing can be better and more appropriate. It's still bright and colorful. And I I think I could be into that. I would want to explore that. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to keep going with this fandom. And, you know, one of the one of the things that I saw in a little bit of my research and YouTube clips and were was a lot of people saying that they love the Power Rangers because when they were kids, they wanted to be Power Rangers. You know, who? what kid doesn't want to ride a dinosaur? What kid doesn't want to ride a robot? And, you know, when... Because the fight sequences are very much like Godzilla. And I love Godzilla movies. Love them. You know, when two guys in rubber suits face off in a tiny town, like 
everything I want to be, everything, everywhere I want to go. And when that medieval knight fought the Megazords in the Power Ranger episode two, I was like, this is fantastic. This is just, this is great. Um, yeah, I I loved it. It was great. It gave me a little bit of Attack on Titan flashback scenes. Oh, really? Like, oh, I'm reliving some kind of previous Geek's Deep trauma, but I like it. I just felt like it was just very, you know, 1970s Japan, you know, two guys in rubber suits duking it out. And I, I love that kind of cheesiness. Um, but that was two minutes out of 20. That was two minutes out of 20. And so it just wasn't enough for me to really latch on to, you know? Yeah, it wasn't enough for me to keep going with it. But again, it wasn't it wasn't bad. It's just not something that I think I will explore further. Um, how did you pair this? I had such a hard time with it. Um, it was one of those fandoms that I knew enough about it to have an idea of where I wanted to go. And that was that like in my head, you know, it was bright and colorful and action filled and dinosaurs, lots of dinosaurs was the thing in my head. Uh, so I was like, all right, I must have something either named after a dinosaur or like in that vein, it's gonna have like a really punchy, maybe fruity profile. And out of a thousand and three hundred fucking teas, Marika, I couldn't find a dinosaur tea. And then I was <laughs> dumped. That was all I had. I didn't know where to go from there. Uh, but I messaged a friend, uh, Sorority Sisters on Instagram, one of my like really, really close friends I've known for ages. And I know that she has some Power Rangers familiarity and background. And I was like, all right, help me. What do I do here? And she suggested... I picked something that had multiple tea bases because the the Power Rangers are a collective that come together to form something as like a whole that is better as a whole. It was like, that's fucking brilliant. Yes. But then like, except usually teas that have multiple tea bases blended into them aren't good. So I had to like find one I liked. And what I ended up landing on was Green Seduction which is an old retired tea from David's Tea that has green tea, black tea, and rooibos in it, and then like a really bright, punchy pomegranate. And it ended up being perfect because I got the punchy, fruity note I wanted, and she was right. The idea of the three different tea bases coming together was really, really smart. Yeah, I really like that pairing. That seems to work out really well. I also had no idea how to pair this, and I... Literally the day I started watching had finally received my burden blend boxing day order. <laughs> so I just took a tea from there because I didn't have anything with dinosaurs. I didn't have anything even multicolored. I was looking for something like maybe I had multicolor in the name or rainbow in the name or, you know, and I really didn't have anything. And so I picked bonfire toffee, which I'd never tried before from burden blend. And it's now become one of my favorites because I don't know where they're getting their Lapsang Souchong from. I don't know what their Lapsang Souchong flavoring is, but it's got like a ginger edge to it. It's got a brightness, like usually, and God, isn't it so perfect that I've picked yet another tea that incorporates Lapsang Souchong for our final episode? pretty sure that I know bonfire toffee and I'm pretty sure it's a lapsang blend yeah it's a lapsang blend I can't believe yet again 
we're, we're going to have to get, go to therapy, like tea therapy to figure out why lapsang has become so predominant for us. Cause I never realized it, but there's something about bird and blends lapsang souchong that I can't put my finger on because usually the smokiness gives a kind of heaviness to the tea, a kind of woodsy campfire, a uh, very comforting, but very smoky aspect. And Burden Blends Lapsang, because this is now the second time that I've had a smoked tea from them. I had whisk tea before and I have this one now. And it's got the exact same bright and high and clear smoke finish that I cannot put my finger on, but I love it. So it's basically like a smoky apple. Um, I really enjoyed it because I just couldn't I couldn't help myself. I was like, wow, another lapsang for another episode of Geek's Deep. And it kind of worked when all the dinosaurs like came out of the volcanoes every single episode, which we didn't really touch on. Yeah. How much natural disaster are the Power Rangers responsible for? <laughs> every single oh. time the Yellow Ranger calls upon their Zord, it erupts like out of a volcano and you see lava going everywhere. Every single time. Every single time. How many nations has the Yellow Ranger destroyed? Like every time she, the Pink Ranger calls for her pterodactyl, a volcano erupts. It's just kind of like hyperbolic and ridiculous. But every time I saw that smoky, that smoke and that lava, I was like, this is a perfect pairing. So I'm going with it. It worked just fine. But yeah, that was my experience with Power Rangers. Deep nostalgia, but I feel no need to revisit it particularly. What an anticlimactic way to end. I know! It's so weird that this is how we're ending it. But you know what? This is not the end of Geek Steep. This is just a pause. We're just taking a break. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a bookmark in the middle of a very long novel. So it's not the end end. It's our last episode of our first season, but that means we're going to have a first episode of our second season. We're going to have, we have so many things planned, you guys. <laughs> so we'll take a short break, uh, explore some new fandoms. It takes time, you guys, to read books and watch series and, you know, do deep dives on movies. But we need a little bit of time through what we have planned for season two, kind of listen to your recommendations, make sure we're incorporating more of the fandoms that you guys want to see and not just what we want to explore. Kind of make sure our second season is super well-rounded, super put together, and just that we're giving every fandom the time that it needs to really be explored. Exactly. We just want to continue to make Geek Steep, you know, better and more fun and different fandoms. We also have a really exciting guest lined up for our season opener. I'm not going to spoil it now, but we're, we want to hear more from other people. We want to have more guests. We want to really get the conversation going in as many ways as possible. So this is just a pause so that we can get all our ducks in a row, dot all the I's and cross all the T's but um we're coming back and again Kelly I said it I think two episodes again I'm so happy that you joined me on this adventure and that we're doing this together it's just been way 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 too much fun it really really has so if you have a fandom that you want to see in season two now is the time reach out to us on our website geeksteep.com instagram same thing uh twitter facebook all the socials 
and tell us the fandom that needs to make it into our season two. We are in the planning phase right now. We have some ideas for where we want to go, but really this is the moment to get us to check out your fandom. So make your voice heard. And give us teas that we should try. Let us know if there's any teas that maybe maybe ban us from having any lap song in the second season. <laughs> Oh, um, we need our know. we need our new reoccurring tea flavor for season Abs- two. Absolutely, to be our through line for season two. Anyway, this is all about just thanking everyone. If you've made it to episode twenty, thank you so much for listening to us. Thank you so much for you know interacting with us on our Instagram. Thank you so much for just joining us on this adventure. And we just want to hear more from you. This is a whole interesting niche subgroup of geeks and tea geeks and we love every single member of it because if you like tea and you like geeks then you're probably a nice kind and cool person that I personally want to get to know more and so we'll be back it won't be very long we promise we're going to be still very active on our social media platforms so it's not like we're disappearing completely but on that Kelly I'm gonna say bye for now And see you in the next season. See you next season, everyone. Bye.